15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle. Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away oh, I said Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat Them anyway Cause Every time I have half a mind to leave you Babe, that means I have Half a mind to stay Good evening. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday evening at 6.30. And today the subject is chocolate, in some ways more specifically cocoa. And in fact, there is a company very close here to Ann Arbor that is creating their own chocolate and sourcing it from a place in Ecuador. And we have Barbara and Joe here from Mindo Chocolates of Dexter. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good. And how are you? It's fine. Good. Well, welcome to the show. And it's very interesting. You know, we we see chocolate bars in the supermarkets, and generally they have big names like Hershey and stuff, and they're made far away. But you have a chocolate bar that's made real close to Ann Arbor, and also you've chosen a very specific location to get it from. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you're about and where the chocolate comes from? Um, Yeah, we um, start. So this sort of all fell in our lap. It wasn't a pre-planned uh, business. We were supposed to be retiring. And um, Joe is from Ecuador. And we have a business here in Ann Arbor called Arbor Motion, which is an auto repair business. And oh, that's yes. Okay. What we've had for many years. And um, we were going to build a little retirement home in uh, Ecuador. Joe fell in love with the town Mindo. Hmm. It's a really lush cloud forest, and it's hmm. got a lot of diversity, and it's really uh, beautiful. And uh, I agreed to live there three months a year. Okay. And we went down there to build a little house, and then um, it. Well, the the thing that happened was we wanted to have uh, internet service oh. there, and it was seven hundred dollars a month. So. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, Joe came up, being an entrepreneur, he came up with an idea to have a little internet cafe to help us pay for this internet service. Oh, wow. So we could have good internet while we were down there. And um, he, uh, we just sort of evolved into this thing where we were selling coffee, roasting coffee, and making brownies. And I was selling brownies, but I wasn't happy with the chocolate. And I had heard that Ecuador had um, the best cocoa beans in the world for fine flavor beans. Mm -hmm. So I started reading about that and learning about um, how chocolate's made. And we went to a cooperative in Ecuador and visited them. And um, they showed us all how they make chocolate and how to select good cocoa beans. And, And then we took some beans home with us and made chocolate for the first time. And it was so delicious that we just... You know, there was, that no, was it. no going back. Yeah, <laughs> I had I had never really tasted really good chocolate until that moment, and um, we started making chocolate bars, 
making the brownies that we were selling with the chocolate, and it really grew and, and evolved from there. Wow, so it all started because you wanted good internet service yep. in Ecuador, and so <laughs> it all has evolved into some rather lovely chocolate bars. So uh, what do you do in Dexter once you get the, uh, the cocoa beans and such over here? Um, in, in Dexter, we, uh, uh, in 2009, in November, we, we got a, as part of our house, we turned our part of our house into a commercial kitchen and decided to, uh, to begin making chocolate in, in Michigan. So we had, uh, uh, we had a, a, a few machines. We started with small machines, but then we graduated to a larger machine, mm. and that we still have, and um, that uh, we began to make uh, chocolate. Our our capacity is uh, somewhere around 130 pounds of chocolate a week. That's uh, what we can do with that one machine. Uh, so uh, out of that, we began to make some uh, some large bars and some small bars and. It's it's really easy to to start making lots of different things. The problem is trying to market them all and sell them all. So we have to kind of mm-hmm. back off a little bit right now. Um, we we make our own cocoa powder, for example. I bought a machine in Ecuador that was made in Ecuador. Uh, it's a cylinder uh, made out of stainless steel with a plastic piston. You put it into a press. You put uh, liqueur, which is basically the nibs that are ground, and press it and um, uh, it begins to slowly separate the cocoa butter and leave the cocoa solids behind. So cocoa butter is one product. Cocoa solids is what we call cocoa powder. Mm. And cocoa powder is certainly appropriate for this time of year in Michigan, I would say. <laughs> yeah, we sell a lot of it. Yeah. We were surprised at how much cocoa powder we've been selling. We're selling it at the Zingerman's next door. They make uh, hot chocolate with our cocoa powder there. It's Mindo hot chocolate. Okay. And we sell jars of cocoa powder there, too. And you have chocolate bars around the city of Ann Arbor as well. We do. We sell them at the Ann Arbor Food Co-op, Ann Arbor Farms, um, the Zingerman's Roadhouse, Morgan & York, um, Plum Market, the three Plum Markets, uh, Avalon Bakery, um, Westbourne Market. There are a couple of stores in Dexter, and Dexter Pharmacy sells them. And uh, Joe and Rosie's in Dexter. Mm. Now, aside from it sounding really delicious, you also have not just high standards as far as the taste of the chocolate, but you also have set high standards for um, important issues that I would say affect the environment. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, I think at this sort of this stage of our life that it was important to us to have a nice ethical business and something sustainable and um, good quality food, something that we want to eat. And so we um, just sort of embarked on this, um, this sort of, it was just, you know, it sort of just evolved and happened. And we just started um, learning about farmers and the, um, in, uh, you know, worrying about the packaging, and and I, I think it's it's a it's a luxury at this point that we can care about those things, mm-hmm. and um, so we've just uh, been trying to have it be a nice, ethical, and environmentally um, good business for our own peace of mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, it says on the ba- on lovely little package of chocolate, it says. Spray-free, shade-grown, and fairly traded. 
Um, can you start with spray free and talk about that a little bit? What that's what that's about? Well, we we are not uh, certified organic, but we do buy beans that are certified organic, and we care about that because, um, well, because of the diversity of wildlife in Ecuador, we want to we don't want sprays and things uh, to damage the you know animals and insects and things, but we also care about the people and the workers on the farms and that they're not exposing themselves to the chemicals and also the people who eat the chocolate don't want to be exposed to chemicals and things. And it's just, it just seems like a really important part of having a business that you feel good about. We are, we are primarily buying from a cooperative in, in a region, which is, uh, Mindo, by the way, does not produce cacao or cocoa. Oh, I see. Um, you have to go a little bit farther, uh, a little bit farther um, to a lower elevation. So Mindo is situated on the foothills of the Andes on the western part. Hmm. And if you keep going a little farther, which is about another 60 miles, you get to an to a elevation of about 200 meters. And right now, Mindo is about... 1250 meters so you got to go down another thousand meters and at that temperature and at that elevation that cacao can grow really well it needs a lot of humidity and uh so um and it, and it gets that in that region so we 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 land we sort of happen across this cooperative uh it's a group of about 54 families right now and uh they uh they are they are or- certified organic that was the first thing we wanted to get from them and um, they also have a, a really hard problem trying to sell their product. Most most small farmers have that problem. They they don't have too many choices, and so we we, we got exposed to this. We didn't know any about anything about this until we got down there and we started investigating. So um, we we decided to pay them a much higher price and ask them to only give us the good beans. In other words, in, in, in some pots, some pods, uh, cocoa pods, um, there are times when a, a half of them could be could be sort of bad. In other words, it's like, um, I can't remember the disease that it has, but it's it, it turns black. Oh. So we only wanted the good ones, and so we had to pay a higher price. Plus, we only wanted one variety, which is the Nacional. That's the variety that we like to use. That's the famous variety from Ecuador. It actually has made Ecuador famous uh, at the turn of the century. I think Ecuador was the largest producer of cacao at one time. Wow. And, uh, and the one that made them really famous is the Nacional. So that's the one we want to continue to use. Um, so uh, we, we, don't, we are not certified um, fair trade uh, we like to call ourselves direct trade because we buy directly from the farmers and we give them uh, a price that's uh, usually pretty close to double what they normally get. Okay. And um, also I see a shade grown. That is that an important part of growing the um, right kind for, of cocoa? For that variety, for the Nacional, that's actually the way to do it. It, it, it likes to share the forest with other trees, mm. and uh, and it does much better on, in the shade than it does in the open air. So typically, they they grow citrus fruits, bananas. They they grow quite a few other uh, other uh, trees to go along with it. So most of the farmers are not strictly cocoa farmers. They usually do many other things, but cocoa is one of their one of the products that they produce. 
And I imagine being able to do all these different kinds of food helps with the diversity in the soil? Yes, that's why you, uh, in some of the chocolates, you get some, some taste of the fruit that it grows really close to, like mm. the citrus stuff. It, it, the citrus and the bananas, you usually get those flavors in the, in the chocolate. Wow, that, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> and some of the chocolate bars you have, I guess, well, that brings up two things. First of all, we've got a chocolate bar that has, you have that has some candied citrus in it, actually candied orange, uh, orange peel. But also, as you're mentioning, the actual chocolate itself, you can taste notes, tones of the, ch- of the orange and some other things. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it's a very interesting idea, I think, of being able to taste such things as notes in chocolate. I'd never thought of it before. I'd heard about it in wines and things like that, but only recently I heard about it in chocolates. I think it's interesting. In chocolate, there are more flavors than in any other food. They've really? found like wow. 850 to 1,000. I've heard different numbers <laughs> of things that you can taste in chocolate. Wow. <laughs> That's exciting. I mean, I've, I already love chocolate, so but that makes it even more interesting. If you've just tuned in, we're talking to uh, Barbara and Joe of Mindo Chocolates in Dexter. And uh, they bring cocoa from Ecuador, Mindo, Ecuador, near actually near there, that is uh, farmed in Mindo up to Dexter to make chocolate. We're going to take just a quick break to hear some music. We're going to go just a little, uh, actually a fair amount northeast for a little bit, do some music from Cuba because there is a lovely song by one of my favorite groups, Sierra Maestra, called Kila Kike y Chocolate. Now, these are actually musicians. Chocolate is one of the musicians. Uh, these are well-known and respected musicians, but it sounds tasty to me. So, Let's take a listen real quick. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and you're listening to Pandora's Lunchbox. Un, dos, un, dos, tres, en. Nadie recuerda que el nuevo ritmo unió la conga y el bongo cedo. Nadie recuerda que el nuevo ritmo unió la conga y el bongo cedo. Que quila, que chocolate le dieron vida a los tamboreros. Ya los profesores notan que nuestro ritmo falta.
it's tasty. That's Sierra Maestra from Cuba, and they're singing about Kila, Kike, y Chocolate, two venerable musicians. And Chocolate is also the theme of our show today on Pandora's Lunchbox. We're here with Joe and Barbara, who created Mindo Chocolates in Dexter. Welcome again. And I'm very interested in the fact that you've become involved in the Coco Genome Project, which is just the thought of it is wonderful. First of all, it's delicious food and it's science, so I'm very excited about it. And I think Coco Genome would be an interesting name for a lounge singer, but I don't think this has any connection to that whatsoever. But um, tell me about the Coco Genome Project. Well, as uh, members of the Fine Chocolate Industry Association, we um, became familiar with the the Coco Genome Project that the USDA is doing. And they're um, collecting uh, cocoa leaves from all over the world and genetic, doing a genetic testing on them to, so that we can learn more about the varieties of cocoa that we have in the world. And uh, we're interested in uh, fine chocolate, fine flavored chocolate, um, rather than developing varieties of chocolate that are easy to harvest. They're, they grow a lot of pods. They're short and easy to, to pick. Um, and now the hybrids that were developed previously were were designed for ease of pick, picking and producing a lot, producing a lot of cocoa fast. And um, we are uh, now worrying more about the flavor of the beans. And uh, the Nacional variety that we uh, that we like to use is it grows really tall. You have to have long bamboo poles to get the pods down, mm-hmm. and it grows intermixed with other plants, so it's um, a lot more difficult to harvest, and, and it costs more, and um, it doesn't produce as much in short amount of time. So um, now the, um, the USDA is working on identifying a lot of different um, varieties of cocoa all over the world and we're just one uh, small part of that we spent a couple of months uh, going to visit farmers and uh, harvesting little leaves from different plants and taking all the data and um, sending it to them so that they can do a genetic uh, analysis on those and we're waiting for the results still and we're excited to find out what um, the farmers that we go to what exactly the varieties that they're using uh, we also um, put put a, um, a marker on each one of the trees, and uh, that way when we get the results, the farmers can have that information and they can know, for example, this particular tree, is, it's got this particular strain of uh, whatever the, the DNA for that particular tree is, so they would know what kind of, what kind of trees they're growing. I understand that there's a website, the Cocoa Genome Database, looks like here, cocogenomedb.org. So um, it sounds like that's something that they're also spreading information to other people so they can learn more about uh, growing finer chocolates. Yeah, we, I don't know a lot about that. I think it's just beginning, really, this database of, of uh, um, cocoa varieties that are still exist. Um but it's you know it's just the beginning of it right now and it's 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 really exciting the um farmers tell us what the variety is that of cocoa that that they have and that information was passed on um 
from their parents and their grandparents. Oh, I see. But um, we don't know for sure until we get it identified exactly what it is. Oh, okay. So this is one way to keep the information for a, a long time. Yeah. Plus, I think if we if we process the cacao from those trees and 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 we uh, through our customers we get some feedback saying, well, this is really good, or this one is not so good. We are beginning we're beginning to be a little more scientific about how we're processing it, so we know exactly which farm it came from and maybe even which tree it came from. But it's, we're still a long ways from that. But that's the direction we can take now. And also the um, different varieties, you ferment them differently. And so mm. uh, cocoa beans are fermented. And we ferment ours right now about six days. So we mm. put them in wood boxes. We, we, har- we collect the beans from the farmer. We tell them we're coming to get beans, and they take them out of the pod. So we get them really fresh. And then we take them to our property in Mindo, and we put them in um, cedar fermentation boxes. And we ferment them for about six days. And while they're fermenting, uh, if you cut them open, they're like red wine inside. They look and smell and taste like red wine. And that's when the flavor develops and you um, reduce the acidity and the astringency of the chocolate by fermenting. Now, what do you ferment them in, actually? They ferment in their own fruit. Oh, um, okay. You don't have to add anything. They're they're open to the air or we put a covering over it. Um, and they get really hot while they're fermenting to oh, wow. about 140 degrees. Wow. And um, it's really, it's an interesting, and there's a lot of things that we can do with that uh, that we still haven't um, learned how to, to do the optimal level of fermentation. So we're, we're uh, and the variety has something to do with that. They say that cert, the pure nacional, you, you should ferment for a shorter amount of time. So, uh, and then once you ferment them, then we um, spread them out on these um, drying racks and we dry them for about one to three weeks. And then we collect them and we sort through them and we roast them and we roast them for about 25 minutes at about 200 degrees. And then we grind, then we uh, run them through a grinder and that's where we make what we call cocoa nibs, which are little, they're, they're little pieces of cocoa bean. Now, is this all in Ecuador? We do most of that in Ecuador. We okay. also have a roaster here where we um, we can roast and grind them here. But we are bringing most of them right now in the form of cocoa nibs. But we also bring raw whole beans. And, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, fermentation from from what I I, I mean I'm, I've I've been learning most of these things uh, just recently. So fermentation, from what I understand, is when sugar and yeast meet. And the sugar is in the beans because uh, cacao actually started being a fruit. And it's actually a pretty delicious fruit. In other words, the beans are surrounded by this white uh, sugary substance. It's actually tart tart and sugary. And so the sugar comes from that part of the bean. And then the the yeast comes from the air. It's just natural yeast. Hmm. And so when they meet, um, we, we cover it up. And then it begins the fermentation process. So now I'm curious about the fruit uh, is that something? Could I get that fruit somewhere? I'm, no, not no. here. <laughs> you have to come down to Ecuador. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, is that a fruit that is also harvested separately and might be available? No, it's the same. Nobody uses it as a fruit. Oh, okay. actually, it doesn't have much fruit on it. It's oh, okay. mostly the the bean is almost all cocoa bean, and then it has a really thin layer of fruit on it. Oh, I see. And it definitely is edible, and it tastes good, and it's um, something that people eat, but it's not. 
you know, it doesn't have much substance to it. Oh, okay. When, when humans first became exposed to cacao, they treated it as a fruit. Oh, okay. And it didn't, it didn't change until the Mexicans took it up to Mexico and turned it into chocolate, which was uh, 3,000 years ago. Wow. Well, um, also, Mindo chocolates, aside from all the interesting things that go into making it, you make all kinds of interesting kinds of chocolate bars. Could you talk about that? Yeah, we've, um, we started with just plain a 67% and a 77%. And those percentages are the percentage of cocoa beans in the bar. And the rest, in our case, is organic evaporated cane juice. And that's, that is, are the on, those are the only ingredients that we put in our pure chocolate. And then our other bars, we make some small bars, and those have added ingredients, but it's more like a pairing where we pair Michigan cherries with our pure chocolate, and it's not all mixed in so that it, you can still taste the chocolate and the, the, the nice flavors that our chocolate has, but it's just sort of like a pairing with some a piece of fruit. So we have um, uh, Michigan cherries from Tabone Orchards in Traverse City that are the best cherries we can find. Mm. Um, and they also have blueberries that are really delicious. I, I, I've t- tasted a bunch of different companies, and I can't find any as good as those blueberries. Um, and then we have uh, orange peel. A lot of our, almost all of our flavors were came about because of requests from our customers who wanted different flavors. So orange peel, um, uh, espresso bar. Mm. Uh, we, we roast our own coffee, grind the espresso, and then we just sprinkle it on the back of the bar. Mm. And then we have some uh, bars that, we've, that are more recent, and those are rustic bars. And we um, don't grind the beans as long, so we grind the... For most of the chocolate bars, we grind them, the beans for about three days until it's very smooth and creamy. We grind them in a stone grinder. And then uh, for the rustic bars, we only grind for about eight hours. And they're a lot more, they have a crunchiness to them. So we have three, three flavors of those, a vanilla, hot pepper, and a plain rustic bar. That's exciting. Well, thank you very much, uh, Joe and Barbara, from Mindo Chocolates. You can find out more about them at MindoChocolate.com and about the processes involved in getting uh, the cocoa from Ecuador up to Dexter. Thank you so much for coming to Pandora's Lunchbox. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and I just want to mention, we were talking about fermentation a moment ago. This is another kind of fermentation. I want to mention WCBN has its free movie night coming up next Wednesday. It's Jailhouse Rock at the Arbor Brewing Company next Wednesday at 9 p.m. We will unveil WCBN's 40th anniversary ale. It's a, um, it's a smoked English pale ale called The Listenership, and it's going to be at WCBN's free night at the movies next Wednesday at 9. Let's go out with some Elvis Presley. Some chocolate has milk in it, depends on the chocolate, and this is Milk Cow Blues Boogie. So let's uh, learn a little here from uh, Elvis Presley. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Oh, well, I woke up this morning And I looked out the door I can tell that old milk cow For the way she looks Hold it, fellas That don't move me Let's get real, real gone for a change Well, I woke up this morning And I looked out the door I can tell that old milk cow I can tell the way she looks Now if you my milk cow, I need to drop it off on home. 
After 7, this is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. It's time for Face the Music. We're going to spend this hour honoring the memory and the long life's work of the great Sam Rivers, who passed away on December the 26th, 2011. This is a, a Blue Note session from 1967. He's got, it's the Sam Rivers Sextet. He plays the... Tenor sax, soprano sax, and flute. Uh, James Spaulding plays alto sax and flute. The trumpeter is Donald Byrd. The trombonist is Julian Priester. The bassist is Cecil McBee. The drummer is Steve Ellington.